welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panel. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host. This is Drew. How's it going, everybody? Hey, hey. So, in the last episode, we uh, mentioned that we're building up to starting our top 25 DC comics of all time, and we last week did an episode where we did the honorable mentions of, uh, of a comic that, you know, we had fondness for, but just didn't quite make the list for, you know, logistical reasons in this case. And we thought, well, if we were going to do an episode where we talk about something that didn't make the list, but still deserves recognition because it's good, we thought it'd be only fair that this week we do an episode where we covered something that most people would expect to be on a top 25 list of best DC comics of all time, but we think totally doesn't deserve to to have that status. And yeah. uh, we decided... Last week we did an honorable mention. This week it's time for a dishonorable mention. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we decided to pick a comic that we think among the, the comics zeitgeist probably gets accolades or affection or recognition whatever you want to call it you know different things to different people but we decided are we and you know our our wise men and our uh analysts and uh fortune fortune tellers have decided that it just don't make the cut (laughs) so drew what comic are we discussing today so today we are talking about the death of superman very famous story in the Superman mythos, originally published in 1992. Basically, this series, this event comic, was three parts that lasted a little over a year. And it starts with the death of Superman and then goes to a funeral for a friend and, and then the reign of the Superman before Superman finally comes back and the event officially ends. But... For this episode, we're specifically going to talk about the first part of the event, which is just the death of Superman, because that's the event that... It kicks it off. Kicks it off. It's the one that gets the most recognition in terms of just name name recognition and and how much people remember it. The trade paperback of of those uh, issues has always been perennially in print, and according to DC, it's, it's always been one of their top sellers. So to be specific with the death of Superman, the issues that we're going to be considering as part of the story for this episode include Action Comics, number 684, The Adventures of Superman, number 497, Justice League America, number 69, Superman, The Man of Steel, numbers 18 and 19, and Superman, numbers 74 and 75. The perpetrators of this abomination... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I want to give him credit for Well, I guess the the credits would be edited by Mike Carlin. Writers are Roger Stern, Jerry Ordway, Dan Jurgens, and Louis Simonson. Pencilers are Jackson Goose, Tom Grummet, also Dan Jurgens, John Bogdanov, and Brett Breeding. Inkers are Dennis Rodier, Doug Hazelwood, Rick Burchett, Dennis Janke, and also Brett Breeding. So there it's were a lot of people lot of on people. this. Yeah. It was uh it took it took the collaboration of a lot of quote talent in order to make something this <laughs> bad. <laughs> Bro, he's just denigrating the people involved in this. 
<laughs> we, we were going to talk about the comic, but let's just make fun of the people who made it. <laughs> uh, dang. <laughs> uh, let's uh, circle Dan back. Dan Jurgens has a small head and a body that's way too big for that head. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, don't forget to say something about his mother. Yeah. <laughs> go, go ahead. Sorry. I wanted to circle back to our criteria for the top 25. So this is what we had established back when we did our Marvel top 25. So it would just be, it makes sense to use the same criteria for yeah. our DC totally. list. So our four criteria that we judged the stuff on our list include craft, originality, impact, and withstanding the test of time. So I think most of those uh, pretty clearly show that uh, this comic doesn't really score highly in any of them other than impact. Yeah. Impact is really the only thing that I can confidently say the death of Superman scored highly on yeah and we'll, we'll we'll get into each of those each of those uh as we go through as we progress yeah but i, I want to ask you a question albert about this comic because this this came out in 1992 mm-hmm. we were kids we were pretty into comic or at least i was pretty into comics at the time like knee deep into comics at that mm-hmm. point um i was nine years old you're a couple years older than me, so I, I was curious about what your original reaction or point of view on the death of Superman was at the time. Um, it was a big deal, you know. There was a lot of fanfare. The uh, I guess now looking back, I can only call it marketing, but um, like it was the sort of thing where, as a comic fan. Um, you know, I, I could pretty confidently say that I, uh, had my ear to the ground. So I was, I was somewhat, I was, I considered myself somewhat aware or consciously aware, more consciously aware of what was going on in the world of comics than your average person. And mm-hmm. this was the kind of news where, or this was the kind of, uh, yeah, news where it actually made it onto like the local news. You yeah. Know? So yeah. that's national how news. national news. There we go. That's how I knew it was, you know, that's how my young, uh, you know, adolescent brain knew or registered that as a big deal, you know, because, yeah. oh, um, you know, we didn't really have the version of the internet that we have now. So it was like, oh, your average person is hearing about this, you know? Yeah, it's in the uh, newspaper. It was, it's on yeah. TV. Yeah, it was something that existed outside of the fandom uh, or, yeah, that went what beyond the fandom. So um, that's, yeah. So I, I'll, I'll admit I got caught up in the hype to to the point where I don't think I even, like, I'd never bought any superman comics when i was a and you kid. bought superman 75 i don't know if i don't i didn't get that that was superman 75 the the one in the white baggie 
Yeah, I think there was one that came in white and one that came in black, but I'd, I'd have to double check. I don't remember off the top of my head. 75 yeah. was the issue where he finally actually does die. Yeah, so... Yeah, the the big uh, uh, gimmick for this was, well, I mean, aside from Superman dying, was that it was a comic that came in this white or black uh, sealed plastic bag. And it was all clear, or I'm not clear, but it was all, uh, there were, weren't any pictures on it except for Superman's S. And it, I think it was like dripping with blood or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I didn't buy that comic, but I'm pretty sure I did buy the uh, Reign of the Superman. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so so, yeah, it was something that I was aware of. uh, And up to that point, I don't think I'd even read a Superman comic, you know. Uh, Yeah, I was I was aware of him because of the movies and. Okay, that that's not true. I, I I read a bunch of like older Superman comics, like from I want to say like what the the really early Superman stuff. You know the from the nineteen forties. Yeah, because I remember another kid at my school had like a collection of them, so I I did end up wait from the nineteen forties. Well, not he had like some sort of digest with a bunch of those, so I read those just because. Or were they Silver Age comics? I don't even remember what era they were from, but I know they were older. Like it was him fighting like the prankster, mm-hmm. you know, and Mr. Mitzi spit like, but um, yeah. So other than those, I'd never, I didn't buy any modern Superman comics or I hadn't bought any modern Superman comics, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, even then the only reason I read those were because like another kid at my school had them. So, um, yeah, this was this gimmick caught me. It it invigorated my interest in Superman, but um in retrospect, uh uh I can honestly say I, I wanna say it's a comic that didn't age well, but I probably I'm more likely to say it was a comic that was not good to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's beyond the point of aging. The 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 aging part's not really the question. Yeah. What about you, Drew? What was your uh, experience with this comic? So, when I was a kid, I was definitely a Marvel zombie. I didn't really care much at all about DC Comics. Obviously, I was aware of them. I knew their characters, but I was a Marvel kid through and through. Like, all the comics that I bought or had my parents buy for me up to that point were pretty much all Marvel comics. I started reading comics when I was like six, probably started, I think my parents bought me my first one when I was maybe seven. So uh, it had been a couple of years and, and there was a, there were a couple of comic book stores near my house as a kid. So every so often my dad would take me to one of those stores and I would, I would get stuff and being in a store, uh, even at that time, comics were kind of booming so there would always be a lot of different posters and things that would uh, be hyping up whatever big comic is coming out next there would be people in the store like older kids and adults talking to people about what was going on but being a little kid I listened and paid attention to my surroundings but 
you know, I don't talk to adults like that. So I just knew what was going on. So when I heard that Superman was dying, uh, saw all the, all the posters and things on the wall, and it was big. Honestly, my first thought was, man, Superman's going to get killed. He must really suck. <laughs> because I, I already didn't like Superman back then. I thought I thought all the DC characters were pretty uninteresting. The only one I I actually did genuinely like at the time was Batman. Yeah. So when I heard that Superman was dying, I thought it was just a testimony to how bad he really was that they had to kill him <laughs> because he wasn't good enough to, to stay alive, you know? <laughs> it would have been funny if, like, the way that he died was just something completely mundane, just to, so that it just completely cements in your mind why he sucks. It's like, oh, he died because he got... He, he choked uh, on a he, shish kebab. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, a toaster fell into the the bathtub while he was taking a bath, and uh, he died. It, it all ended in one issue. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, the other thing I, I remember is that it was a big deal. Like, we were saying how the, there was all this media attention. People were lining up in front of comic book stores. This, this was a phenomenon. And it, yeah. it's not like I was immune to the phenomenon. Because remember, this is the early 90s, man, and only, you know, several months before the death of Superman, Image Comics had launched, and I fully bought into the Image Comics hype. Like, I had, I bought Spawn number one, I had Savage Dragon, I had Wildcats, you know, I, like, all the dumb comics that I thought were cool because they were popular and, and everybody was hyping them up. Mm. But everybody was hyping up the death of Superman, and I still wasn't interested in it, man. I still thought... Superman was weak, and I, I just I really just didn't care. It, it yeah. wasn't until months later when I finally read it because I had a friend who who had it, and I still wasn't too impressed. And it it, it never left much of an impression to the point where uh, even today I I don't have any nostalgia for it. it. It's just something that happened. It's just a comic that came out while I happened to be a kid, but it wasn't yeah. something I even liked when I was a kid. Yeah. And reading it uh, multiple times over the years just to see if anything has changed. No, my opinion has always been firm. This is a bad comic. It, yeah. Like I, I read it, you know, when I got older, when I was in high school, a uh, little bit, uh, maybe late college, and then uh, I think I went a bunch of years without even uh, touching it. And then we were doing this episode, so I read it again this week. It's just a really bad comic, man. I I, I, yeah. I can't think of any good things to say about it. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Like, it, it's not just fair; it's apt. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's that's the case. Um, I will say that I think I had a. You asked me earlier what uh when we were chat uh t- chatting with each other. Uh, before we started this podcast, what my thoughts on it were. And I think, well, not I think, but what I have to say is there is a very simple part of me that that can lose myself in just the the simple-minded 
action aspect of the comic where mm-hmm. it's just okay so i i guess it's only fair to uh give a very very brief synopsis of this story right right here right now sure. because it really doesn't take much um it's it's the the story of the death of superman a uh, a creature from deep within the bowels of the earth arises and it's a unstoppable killing machine and it's just a series of issues where superman just fights this thing over the course of what five five six issues yeah something like that yeah and each each issue is just him trying to fight this thing up until the very last issue where no surprise uh he fights it to to his death (laughs) that's basically what the entire thing is about and you know in a mindless way uh, and i again my my nostalgia probably uh kicks in here um there is something about uh there is something about the idea of a guy so committed to whatever their cause is that they're willing to to fight to their very last breath and mm-hmm. I think no, not again, not I think, but uh, as a kid, even uh, even then, that spoke to me. But it's not something that when you when you tug on the threads, when you like stop and really think about it, it's it's not much more than that. So, uh, yeah, reading it as an adult, reading it like to uh, just finishing it today, just before this podcast, I I'd have to say. Uh, there are very brief moments where I lose myself in that, but hmm. then I snap back to reality. And <laughs> like, this didn't need to be seven issues long, and their dialogue is terrible. <laughs> like, yeah, just yeah, <laughs> it just makes me throw my hands up, you know? Yeah, it's definitely yeah. more of a stunt than a comic. Because a little here's a little bit of context for everybody listening in, in case you don't remember or you weren't around at, at the time. But Superman in the early 90s was not a very popular book. So Superman had been relaunched back in the mid-late 80s, right after Crisis on Infinite Earths. John Byrne from... Marvel from Uncanny X-Men took over the Superman books and basically gave him this post-crisis origin and uh you know starting a, a story from from year 1 and established different uh power levels for the character cuz before the crisis Superman was pretty much what most people think of when they think of Superman. You know, the guy that is so powerful, nothing other than kryptonite can really harm him or or threaten him. He's he's so he was juggling planets. Yeah, he could he could <laughs> That's push how the planet he was. and you know go back in time. Yeah. Do all the, all this crazy stuff, and then after John Byrne, it was more yeah he's super strong. He can fly. He's he's fast. He's got durability. X-ray vision, heat vision. Uh, I think he still had the breath, so he still got most of the powers, but he wasn't technically 
completely invincible. You know, like this was a guy that was not quite as powerful as he had been portrayed in in the past. And maybe the series that John Byrne did uh, were successful for a time, but eventually he left and the Superman books kind of cratered out again. And that, that was the time when Marvel was pretty much on the upswing because they had those guys that eventually formed Image Comics. They had Todd McFarlane drawing Amazing Spider-Man and Sp- uh, Adjectiveless Spider-Man, Jim Lee on, on the X-Men, uh, Rob Liefeld on X-Force, so on and so forth. So Marvel was just killing it. And Superman kind of the representative of DC Comics, you know, him and, and Batman. And Superman just wasn't wasn't a high-selling title. So every so often, uh, at this point, they, they, th- there were these four ongoing Superman series, and n- none of them could compare to what something like Spider-Man was selling. Yeah. Yeah. What they ended up, what DC ended up doing was they they figured they had to do something to to try and uh, inject some life, life into these sales. Yeah. Normally they would have these writers meetings where the editor editors, the editorial team, and the different writers of all four of the books would get together and determine the next year's worth of stories. At this particular year, it just so happened that there was a new TV series called Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Do you remember that one, Albert? Did you watch that I when did. you were a kid? Um, I watched it because it was Superman, but I I have to admit that I think for a Superman show, it 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 got kind of absurd at points, and it got boring so i don't think i watched it beyond maybe the second season oh okay yeah yeah i actually watched even though i didn't like superman i watched that show religiously every week because terry yeah. hatcher was hot yeah 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 she was and definitely was the best a, thing I was about a that show best in kid man i i i just had to watch her i, I didn't know what i was feeling but <laughs> i had to watch her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, she's definitely an attractive person, but her level of attraction wasn't enough to keep me interested in the show. (laughs) I think the thing about the, you know, not to go on too much of a tangent, but the thing about the show that ultimately just made it hard for me to stick with it was Superman never fought any, like, real supervillains, and even if they occasionally put a supervillain in. It was a pretty lame supervillain or a, a lame iteration of of uh, a character that I didn't even know. So the action scenes were about one step down from Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I just wanted. I was. I wanted. Okay, so this was in the era before. Uh, you know, well before the 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 period we're in now, where we're just constantly getting Marvel movies. So, you know, I I just wanted good action. I wanted to have him fight plausible threats, uh, as opposed to like a mad bomber or whatever. And <laughs> yeah, it just 
yeah, it just wasn't uh, it just wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. So anyway, the the whole reason I I bring up Lois and Clark New Adventures of Superman was because in that TV series, the producers of that show planned to do a storyline where Clark and Lois would get married, but they were going to build up to it. So it wasn't going to happen right away. They were, you know, going to introduce the characters, build them up and then have some developments before the marriage. So they, they ended up talking to DC, the people from the show. And, you know, I think it was Warner brothers. So same, uh, you know, sister companies, they ended up telling the people at DC to do a story to, to, to maybe do something to coincide with the marriage in the TV show. So even though they knew that wasn't going to happen for a while, um, what ended up, what the, what DC ended up doing was they had already been planning to have a wedding issue that year, but because of this request from the show to, to make the wedding coincide in the comics with the timing in the show, they had to hold off on their plans. So this pretty much threw their plans for 1992 into flux because they had a planned storyline of the wedding. And now all of a sudden they're told they can no longer do that because they need to time it for the show. So at this writer's retreat or meeting, they different people pitched ideas and Jerry Ordway said, I think according to legend, he was joking when he said it. He said, hey, we should kill Superman. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they ended up deciding, hey, that's actually not a bad idea. Let's let's do that. You know, let's let's kill him. So that that's how we ended up getting this this uh, year long storyline starting with uh the introduction of doomsday and superman's death yeah yeah um i i like i got a different impression of that story uh and um and it's very minor like what the difference is but uh i i think i remember reading the quote and he was saying that these summits would get really contentious and, Mm -hmm. you know, people would, uh, you know, get into these arguments and every time they got stuck on something, uh, the joke was that he'd just be like, let's just kill him then, you know, (laughs) which is a pretty flippant attitude to take. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that I'm sure is said in jest just to loosen the tension when people yeah. can't uh, come to an agreement, just throw out an I- a story idea that you assume everybody will be united in rejecting. Yeah, but that's the thing; it's meant to be rejected. Yeah, they went with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of speaks a bit to the to how these comics were made, and it points kind of foreshadows how a lot of superhero comics moving forward would turn out because this was a very editorially driven kind of series. You know, obviously you needed an editor to help coordinate all these different teams. And I'm not saying that Mike Carlin was, you know, the primary mastermind or anything. I, I I think uh, all of the writers were probably just as involved. I don't know like how we can measure or quantify uh, their level of influence. But I do think it's fair to point out that because 
this event was so driven by editorial and kind of these uh, mercenary, this mercenary need to to goose sales, it made future comics not only at DC but at, at Marvel uh, kind of take the same thing into consideration. You know, yeah. we, we started getting more comics that were that were uh, events that were coordinated by an editor with multiple multiple writers, multiple artists, all trying to inject something energizing into something that was into a series that was moribund and forgotten in terms of sales. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, it's, it's a subject that falls neatly into our discussion of impact uh, for this comic, right? Yeah. Uh, Like we mentioned that in terms of all the other, other criteria, um, there isn't much to say. I mean, it's clear that it's a, a bad comic, but I think if this comic hadn't had the impact that it had, it, we wouldn't be talking about it now. Exactly. It could very easily have just been something super forgettable, and I would have been fine with it, whatever, right? Yeah. But the fact that it ended up reverberating throughout comics as a whole uh it it makes it hard to ignore it makes it undeniable and yeah i think it's fair to say that it ruined a lot of comics you i'm I'm sure there's a way to uh draw a map or a line that shows just how many other comics it ruined you know no, I think that's very fair to say, man. Yeah, uh, since you brought it up, we might as well just dive straight into the criteria of impact. Let, let's let's examine the impact that Death of Superman had. So we, we were just talking about the sales of, of this series. According to DC Comics, Superman number 75, the issue where Superman and Doomsday kill each other, the issue where Superman dies, that issue sold 6 million copies, which is obviously an insane amount of copies compared to what comics today sell. Yeah. But it was the comic that finally gave DC these numbers that that could match up to stuff that Marvel had sold or um, Image Comics. Because things like Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man number one or... Rob Liefeld's X-Force or Jim Lee's X-Men, all of those were selling multiple millions. So for DC to finally have a hit like this, yeah, it was definitely a boon for their company. Yeah. Yeah, and on the note of, on on that same uh, thread while we're on on that subject of impact, you know, not to detract too far away from the death of Superman, but very shortly after, we would see uh, this follow. We would see this pattern repeat itself in all the other characters uh, just a few years down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty sure without the death of Superman, we don't get uh, the you know Nightfall. the breaking of yeah, we don't get Nightfall and the breaking of the Batman. 
we don't get um wonder was it even the death of wonder woman no or she just, it just got beat up in a tournament and got replaced by artemis okay the replacement of wonder woman and uh aquaman losing his hand or <laughs> uh emerald dawn wait not emerald dawn uh emerald twilight emerald twilight yeah you know? How Jordan goes nuts, kills the Green Lantern Corps, and becomes a supervillain. So yeah. a new Green Lantern is introduced. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure those were their big-name uh, DC heroes. Mm-hmm. And they just, they decided that they wanted to do a version of the death of Superman Superman for each of them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just, just this really high-stakes story that would... Uh, permanently quote unquote alter the uh the fabric of these characters forever (laughs) (laughs) nothing will ever be the same again yeah (laughs) (laughs) i hate marketing people (laughs) yeah it definitely the success of this definitely led them down a dark road yeah and i think it's also fair to say that because of the media attention and all of the hype surrounding it, this comic ended up becoming one of those comics that was heavily speculated on. Yeah. <clears throat> like, I can't say for sure, uh, but I want to say, and, and, you know, you can corroborate this for me, but it was a comic that, although the sales numbers are high, I I, I don't know if people... I mean, obviously people bought it, but I don't know if like all six million issues of that were bought by by people, people because a lot of comic book stores were buying a bunch of back stock because they were trying to meet demand. And there's stories of people who are just sitting on, you know, tons of these still. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's real, man. Yeah. Like this was a comic that a lot of stores ordered hundreds or maybe even thousands of copies of it. And I'm pretty sure there were some stores that weren't able to sell all the copies that they bought. Yeah. Like to the point where there are just boxes and boxes of them still just sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we would, if we could say that Superman number 75 was the straw that broke the camel's back, but it definitely piled on to the camel's back, you know, just because the speculation era was something that completely devastated the comics industry and yeah. it's never it's never been the same since you know that yeah. that's something that has never been the same ever yeah. again because yeah. because comics like superman number 75 as well as the other high selling comics and and gimmicks of the day you know they just ended up tricking stores into ordering more copies of it than they could sell and eventually yeah. you you do that enough times and, and and a store will go out of business because they're just... They're the ones that eat the cost at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. like these things are returnable. They're, they weren't like magazines or anything. Yeah. If a comic store bought them, they'd have to keep them. Yeah. I mean, we're still living with the... Uh, with the... Uh, uh, I guess the cultural shift that occurred because of it because... You know, we you can even say today now in this we're we're kind of in a second speculation era for a lot of things where mm-hmm. people are just putting their money into nostalgia and 
yeah, comics is that same thing. Uh, it's 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 gone from entertainment to another investment, uh, another arena for investment, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, the only thing that really suffers because of that is the comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, man, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and. You know, you're you're totally right when you say that. Uh, it, it's not necessarily the straw that breaks the camel's back, but it's it might be. It's a big contributing know, factor. It's a huge contributing factor to the point where we mentioned earlier that, you know, this this comic sold six million copies. Like Marvel took definite notice of that, and. It, you know, it, it wasn't just the fact that DC was going to try to do the death of Superman for all of their characters. What we ended up seeing at some point was Marvel would, you know, it, it was a cold war between these two uh, <laughs> titans of industry. So they had to find a way to out outdo that. Yeah. The, Superman you know, died and he got replaced by these four other fake Superman yeah. And Spider-Man had his clone saga and he ended up getting replaced too. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it, it just ended up becoming a race to the bottom, which was like, how do we outdo the other guy? And then you have something like Onslaught where, well, if the death of Superman sold, how about we just kill all of the Marvel universe or half the Marvel universe, Yeah. you know, and we, we uh, find a way to relaunch them with, you know, these big names. Yeah, it definitely kickstarted the trend of killing characters to gain attention. I think a lot of people saw that the death of Superman got mainstream media attention on CNN or the Washington Post or whatever, maybe, and people were talking about it. So it got to the point where where uh, I think trying to kill or replace the hero became... Uh, a gimmick. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say trope, but a trope. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I can see that. It's it's funny because at the time, the way that the if you look up old news reports, uh, from the archives, at the time when the death of Superman was in the news, there were people reporting, not really the the reporters at the time they weren't necessarily comics people, you know, like these were people that they were that, just uh, chasing a fluff story. Yeah. Chasing a fluff story. And, and from their point of view, they, they genuinely thought this was going to be Superman's death. Like there would, like he would not come back. There would be no more Superman yeah. stories. It was clearly a lack of understanding of comics. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was reading this other, uh, this other piece by uh it's, it was from like i don't know six or seven years ago but there was a piece online on comics alliance by chris sims and he was writing about the death of superman comic and one of the anecdotes he mentioned was in 2009 he was working at a comic book store and even in 2009 you know this is more than a decade after the death of superman had occurred there was still customers who would walk into the store and be shocked that there were still Superman comics being published because they thought he had died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's just, yeah. It, it boggles my mind. Yeah. 
it's yeah when you told me that i was uh i was pretty stunned too it's just (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot going on there there's there's a lot of questions that arise from something like that it's just yeah yeah all right were there any other uh big influences or notable impacts that that you can think of uh, I think a couple more that oh yeah that I think ahead. uh yeah. stand out are um the stories after Superman seventy five because we're we're, fo- we're mainly focusing on the death of Superman but but the immediate aftermath of the death of Superman led to the reign of the Superman story yeah. and that did lead to characters that we still see today. The yeah. characters that are still in use. Yeah. I mean, the probably the most notable one is Steel. He's still, uh, he's still a, a character that we see often. Heck, he had his own movie starring Shaq. Yeah, yeah. There was the cyborg Superman. We see him every so often. There was the Connor Kent Superboy, and of course, we still see Doomsday all the time too. So yeah. There were characters that arose from the story that ended up becoming staples in the DC universe. Yeah. I mean, I was going to mention that um, you can tell the impact from the fact that I'm pretty sure if you were to produce a list of supervillains to, you know, non-comics readers, I'm pretty sure... Doomsday is someone that they could name check, even if they don't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's that's how much impact there was from this character, who's a pretty one-dimensional and lame character. If I had to be oh, perfectly yeah. honest, um, he's a wannabe Hulk ripoff, and he he's his only thing is he's just a giant monster that Superman fights. Yeah, uh, he's got bone protrusions. Yeah. Uh, he he ended up being in the movies before a lot of DC villains, you know. Yeah, that's he, true. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure Zack Snyder lifted a lot of elements from Batman, uh, a lot of elements from Death of Superman, and put those into uh, Batman v Superman. Yeah. You know, because that entire last arc of the movie is basically the death of Superman. Yeah, yeah. He fights Um, Doomsday and gets killed. Yeah, yeah, right? Uh, Like, I I don't know, I can't say for sure that I know what Zack Snyder's level of comics knowledge is. If I had to guess, I don't think he knows too much about comics. I don't think he he regularly reads a lot of comics, but... And I'm I'm pretty sure whatever he does read, he kind of, he either reads really bad comics or misses the point of good ones. Yeah, yeah. Like it's if if I had to guess when when they gave him the chance to do this movie, they gave him a bunch of uh comics to to use as research as uh source material. He probably and, looked at the pictures and thought yeah. Doomsday looked cool. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that Death of Superman resonated with him because it was basically Superman in a kaiju battle. <laughs> you know? Um the other well, th- Zoomsday wasn't that big, so I don't know yeah. if he qualifies as a kaiju. 
Uh, I, I just meant in terms of the sheer destruction of it, you know, is it's yeah, basically a disaster true. film. It's a disaster film with a superhero. Yeah, they're they're crashing through buildings. They're they're punching each other, and then the windows yeah. on a skyscraper shatter from the force. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like when when I mentioned earlier that there wasn't much to the story, and it was basically just seven issues of these two people punching each other. I mean. That's I I'm embellishing, but it's a very minor embellishment. Yeah, yeah. Like the only pages where people aren't punching each other is when we see kind of little bits of the aftermath of what happens in yeah. between, or you know, when the camera's not following the people that are punching each other. Like yeah. you see little scenes of of somebody calling for help, or little scenes of devastation, brief yeah. scenes of Lois and Jimmy trying to trying to figure out the story. Another scene here and there of Lex Luthor watching on TV. It's all very minor and meaningless and doesn't add anything to the overall story. Yeah. Other thing that I was going to mention as just as just a signifier for how big a deal this specific story is, is... Mm-hmm. DC came out with a slate of animated movies, and they did two Death of Superman movies. Yeah, two different adaptations of it. Yeah. It's like, there there are a bunch of uh, evergreen, you know, even if we don't necessarily consider them evergreen stories, uh, there, there are stories that they considered evergreen stories, and those don't, have, those didn't even get that much recognition. You know, mm-hmm. uh, to the point where, like, when they came out with the the by the time they came out with the second Death of Superman movie, they hadn't even done something like the Long Halloween or Hush. Yeah, and and those are and those are not comics that we hold in high regard, but those didn't even get their own movies yet. And by this point, the Death of Superman got two. Yeah, and not only that, but. The first Death of Superman animated movie came out in uh, 2007. And then when they did the second try, it was a two-part movie series. They did one that was called The Death of Superman and Reign of the Superman. Yeah. They they didn't feel like the first movie captured the essence of what they were trying to do. So they tried to do it again. Yeah. What, What year did you say that the second one came out? 2018 and 2019 and the first one was 2007 you said yeah man that's nuts like to think that they needed to do this twice (sighs) yeah yeah it's it boggles the mind man but somehow i guess it just shows you that this story is so famous and well known that people who work on these adaptations somehow either find it inspiring or they feel obligated to adapt it because it's a major Superman story. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Right. I mean, all told, I I suppose one thing that we can say about it is it's probably a pretty easy story to adapt because it's so stupid simple. Yeah. Like, there isn't a whole lot of thought you need to put into adapting something like this. All you really need is some exciting choreography, 
hopefully you have some talented animators. Yeah. That's pretty much it, I guess. Well, you don't really need to have anyone craft a, a deep, meaningful story. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say that's, I guess that's why it's kind of the, the perfect uh, source material for like a Zack Snyder film. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. Like, I don't. I don't need this to be overly complex or thought-provoking. I just want something that can be a showcase for action sequences. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's just the comic that everybody everybody recognizes the name of the story and it's Superman's death, so it's yeah. memorable for some reason. Do you, oh, what were you going to say? I guess in a way, uh, killing Superman also made it, uh, like we already talked a little bit about how DC replaced a lot of their other heroes, but I think just generally speaking in terms of superhero comics, including Marvel comics as well, the death of Superman did kind of make it more acceptable for people to kill their hero. Mm. yeah because maybe up to this point i don't know if there had really been too many stories where they really dragged out somebody's death before bringing him back but then later on you know like everybody was doing it like everybody yeah everybody has died at some point and come back to life it's just so common in superhero comics now that that's the that's a trope that has been here to last yeah i feel like um i feel like in previous comics like even even those uh those golden age supermans that i was talking about when they did something like the death of superman it was something that was teased and resolved in one issue you know yeah like the silver age comics yeah I i think there was a silver age comic that that did something like that yeah, right. And and usually again, it's it's usually is this the comic where Superman dies and by the time you get to the last page it's like, "No, nah, we thought he died or but gotcha, tricked you." Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and this was I guess their first the first real instance of them committing to or temporarily committing to the idea that this character is dead. Yeah. Yeah, funny thing too is that all of the members of the creative team had to sign non-disclosure agreements saying that they would not tell the media or anybody that Superman would come back to life. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah th- there's something silly about that. Because I think anybody who was really into comics in the 90s at this, you know, at this time, they, every, we all knew that Superman was going to come back. That wasn't in question. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's he's just an something, iconic character. Yeah, it's it's something that the the civilians of the world were taken, you know, it took them by surprise because they really thought that Superman was gonna die forever. Yeah. 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 People were wearing armbands. Yeah. <laughs> remember that one issue that came with the armband? <laughs> was that Superman seventy five? I don't even remember, man. <laughs> I, I I wasn't even aware that that was a a thing. Yeah. Bands, but yeah, I think one of those it was. Superman comics came polybagged with uh with an 
with a black armband and Superman's logo on it. We should so all we could, wear could ours him. in remembrance of yeah, exactly, Superman because he never came back. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So clearly, yeah. when looking at the death of Superman from the perspective of our four criteria, it definitely has left an impact on comics. Yeah. It's for it's good the, and for bad, I would say. Probably a lot of negative impact, but impact nonetheless. It yeah, had was, a lasting influence on comics uh in the short term as well as the long term ever since. It it definitely left a mark within the DC universe. The fact that it was so successful and became a speculator target, it, it impacted the industry in a very real way. It impacted pop culture because it's something that even people who don't read comics became aware of. Yeah. And sad to say, it's still something that I think a lot of fans today look back upon with some measure of affection. Yeah, I'll, I agree with that. I, I feel like in any discussion, uh, it's only a matter of time till someone brings that up. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not even saying that I think people think it's seriously the greatest Superman comic of all time or anything, or even one of the best stories. I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there who think that, but I bet there are plenty of people who look back fondly in the sense that this was a comic of their youth, and there's a good deal of nostalgia associated with it. It was fun. It was a spectacle. But, you know, overall, they just look back on it with... With affection, and for for us, I I don't think we have any affection, even yeah. from a from a sense of oh this was fun or this was a cool time for Superman or anything like that. Like I I yeah. definitely don't feel that way about it. It's that's kind of the weird thing about it, right? Where it it came in and it was such a big deal and people got swept up in the hype of it that. I wonder if they just overlooked the the quality of it overall, and now all yeah. these years later, because it skipped that initial uh, uh, hard look and investment, uh, uh, that initial period where people genuinely look at it for at at its uh, artistic merits or even entertainment qualities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're now in this period where people only look at it from the standpoint of uh not only but people in by and large look at it from the standpoint of its nostalgia factor so even if you get them to admit that it's bad they'll go yeah but it comes from uh, a part of my childhood yeah <laughs> right so <laughs> that they can it, it yeah it just kind of was able to coast as a story and avoid critical uh assessment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's true that's man. a shame yeah <laughs> that's a shame <laughs> <laughs> um so i guess we can go into yeah the craft of it at this yeah. point uh because i do have some things i mean there's obviously things to say about its craft <laughs> yeah yeah so l- yeah. let's let's go ahead and talk about that man what are the things 
that stood out to you artistic from an artistic standpoint so i know this is a thing that you hate uh and it makes sense here in that you mentioned earlier that this was something that was a heavily the death of superman was a heavily uh, editorially driven story it mm-hmm. it was something that didn't happen in one comic it happened uh across several comics and uh cuz how many superman titles were there there was what action comics there were four of them so there yeah. were four of them right yeah, yeah you're right because the reign of superman was a different superman for each superman title right yeah there was action comics adventures of superman superman the man of steel and just playing superman yeah yeah so this was an event that took place across four different books with four different creative teams who were up to this point doing their own thing right um yeah and i what i was gonna say was this was something that i know bugs you which is the lack of consistency because Mm -hmm. uh you know you have different voices you have different art teams and it's just the it's just it's just a reality of of this kind of circumstance where when you read it especially when you read it as a trade in a collection after the fact where you're just like you're just constantly shifting from different artists and even different voices um here's one thing i will say about that quality though uh at least with the death of superman the the different writers voices as well as the quality of the artwork it's all so bland to begin with that it almost doesn't really make a difference it's all consistently bad yeah exactly (laughs) i was just about to say that (laughs) like it isn't like one of them is just such a good writer that's heads and shoulders above the rest of them that it makes you go man if only this one writer had written the whole thing there was a chance that this could have been good exactly um, and same thing goes for the art there isn't yeah. like okay look i i do like butch goose i think he's done some good stuff in his career but the issues that he did here that's not his best work he he's clearly aping dc house style to manage some kind of continuity in terms of some kind of stylistic continuity with his fellow superman artists yeah, and everybody he's else dragging is just, himself down to their level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> everybody else is just so bland. Like I think of Tom Grummet, and he is just the epitome of bland superhero artwork to me. Like I, I think yeah. he's worse than Mark Bagley, man. Like and, Mark Bagley at least is is fast, and every so often he'll he'll draw something that that looks decent. But Tom Grummet, everything he draws, every comic of his I've ever read in my entire life has just been so bland. Like, I won't say it's terrible or anything, because there's nothing particularly about it that makes it bad. Like, when you look at a Rob Liefeld comic and you look at his art, you can clearly identify, oh, man, his his anatomy is, is horrible. This dude doesn't draw feet. This dude doesn't draw uh, limbs properly. His proportions are all skewed his perspective is strange but with tom grummet i think his his anatomy is fine his perspectives are okay like everything's 
decent, right? But it, it it's like so decent, it's just so boring too. Like there's yeah. nothing about it that that makes it stand out one way or the other. And maybe from a certain perspective, I might even prefer just notoriously bad art over bland art because at least bad art gives me something to to laugh at you know like there's something about looking at a Liefeld comic where the I, I can still get some entertainment value out of it even though it might not be the intended type of entertainment yeah yeah but with a Tom Grummet comic I just don't even like to look at it it's it's not interesting man it's uh it's interesting that you say that about him because I prior when we were doing our research for this podcast, I, I asked you about him because in my mind his art was he was kind of the quintessential Superman artist that I could think of. Mm-hmm. Like other than someone like John Byrne, um, like those were the images of Superman that I imagine when I close my eyes uh, from mm-hmm. that era, you know. Sure. And we were talking about him, and I, I asked you, and you know, you you just basically said everything you just said just now, but you mentioned that in terms of his more recent stuff, he worked on uh, a Thunderbolt series, you know, maybe ten, if not twenty years ago. Uh, it was around the time of Civil War, so I think it's been about fourteen years. Okay. okay. I don't know if you consider that recent, but we're we're getting up there in years ourselves, so maybe for right. us that's recent. <laughs> I was I meant that relatively speaking, right? Yeah, yeah. So more recent, right? So and I remember those comics, uh, and I have to say that his artwork here was definitely better than those because in those comics they were genuinely bad. Like yeah. people always looked like they had this really mushy texture to them. They they had like really meaty cheeks and it just didn't look right. I didn't I I because that's how much i remembered uh how bad his art was because yeah when you said he worked on that uh that thunderbolts i was like oh those were terrible <laughs> yeah yeah he did do quite a few comics over the years that i ended up reading like i remember back when back in the 90s probably just a couple years after the death of superman he he drew the robin series that chuck dixon wrote the one about tim drake i remember he drew the early issues of that and i i was i did buy that series when i was a kid and i didn't like the art i think i just like robin yeah yeah <laughs> it was just something yeah. where i was like man i wish this looked better but it's robin so i'll buy it because i'm a kid and i don't know better <laughs> <laughs> yeah um the other thing that is just that you hit right on the head was just the writing style of everybody in this um for for a comic with just such a simple plot you would think that there isn't a lot of room for them to to ruin it but <laughs> uh yeah everybody's writing is just so dated it, and it's all it's all consistent too just how many thought balloons are going on and how many uh, instances of people just shouting exposition for no reason, right? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, it like just story... happens so often and with 
with all these different writers. It's it's such a weird quirk. Yeah, it's like you'll see a scene of Doomsday going on his rampage across America. So he starts off in some, I don't know, like the wilderness or a forest or something. And he starts walking and the direction he's walking towards is he's going to end up straight. He's going to end up in Metropolis. So as he's walking through the wilderness and then these different rural and suburban areas, he's destroying all this stuff, causing a rampage. And then you have the Justice League of America at the time, which was a team of, uh, you know, pretty low tier characters. Yeah. They're just trying to stop him and they get all beat up. But every time one of them tries to fight him or, you know, they're in a scene with him, they've got to describe everything that we can see. Like, yeah. oh no, he's walking towards the, the, the energy plant. We've, we've got to stop him. And yeah. You know, it's like we can clearly see uh, where he where they are, and yeah, who who says that out loud? You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get I get shouting, and I understand talking to your teammates to to formulate a plan, but yeah. uh, these guys are just talking so much where yeah, it's unbelievable why they would need to exposit what is happening. You know. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. There's uh there's a difference between, you know, a character shouting something brief and like you know, we have to get to the, the power plant, right? Yeah. Or just something like that. As opposed to he's moving towards the power plant. We have to do X, Y, and Z, like mapping it all out yeah. in like a paragraph. And if we don't doesn't... if we don't, there's gonna be a massive explosion. Yeah. We're going to lose, like, this, it's this idea that we're going to lose uh, the reader because they're not going to get that the consequences are high. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, is a lot of older comics tend to do, to do that kind of thing. Like, we, yeah. we've looked at Silver Age comics on our show, and I'm a lot more forgiving of that, you know? Like, I'm a lot more forgiving of, of uh, you know, a Stan Lee story where he he, he has his character's give a monologue in the middle of a of a battle because those are from the 60s man but by the time this comic came out it was already the 90s yeah right and and the 90s things were getting a little bit more sophisticated maybe not these superhero comics but clearly there were other comics yeah of this time period that were not overwritten like this there were other comics that respected the reader's intelligence to figure things out by following the story by looking at the art yeah yeah, you know, Show, don't tell. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. this is already the period of of Alan Moore and Grant Morrison, Morrison and Neil Gaiman, Garth Ennis. You know, all all of these guys were writing stories without overwriting them. You know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I totally agree. There's there's so many other scenes where, uh, again, this is another example, but. Uh, where we see Doomsday and Superman fighting and people just fleeing in terror. And you would think that the image of, you know, these two people punching each other through buildings and collapsing uh, uh, skyscrapers would be enough to communicate that these people are in danger, right? <laughs> but there's so many scenes where you uh, where you're reading people go, 
say saying things like the building's collapsing get out of the way you know and it's just like everybody is shouting something as this is happening and it's just i've never seen superman hit someone so hard before yeah it, it just doesn't make any sense it, just, just for some context imagine this and, and again i'm not saying that these were necessarily good movies but imagine if you had watched uh superman man of steel and you were watching that scene where zod and superman are just punching each other through skyscrapers imagine that entire battle sequence right and now imagine that you see people on the ground running fleeing in terror <laughs> and every single person had some something to say while that was going down would that make any sense at all <laughs> would that even sound right i mean would that like visually or like just would the combination of those things be a be an appealing, uh, believable uh, uh, scene for you? Does, or does it somehow enhance the sense of danger? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not really, man. It doesn't. Like, and if anything, it would take me out of the movie even more so because you know it was a pretty whack movie yeah but it would take me out of the moment because i'd be like why is this guy yelling he's he's about to be crushed like you'd think he'd be more concerned with just running <laughs> yeah that's true man that is true um and in terms of craft uh i i feel like i need to mention this but uh we we talked about it in brief uh but I want to give a little more attention to it, which is let's let's talk about the design of Doomsday himself. Okay, mm -hmm. we've mentioned that this guy was such a big deal that you know he made it into the movies before a lot of other DC characters. He uh, he's someone that you know I, I I'm pretty confident in saying that your average person would be able to 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 name them even if they don't know anything about him. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But for a character that was supposed to be this such a big menace menacing threat to superman he's just got a pretty generic and lame design it's 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 not creative it's not imaginative he's just a pretty generic monster with bone protrusions he's kind of like a gray hulk with white hair and bones yeah. coming out of different parts of his body. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you told me, uh, one of the anecdotes, anecdotes that you anecdotes anecdotes uh, that you uh, mentioned when when as we were building up to this episode was that they had a few different designs, and this was the one that won out. Yeah, Dan <laughs> Jurgens designed this. Like they had the different artists create designs for the the villain, right? And yeah. This was the design that they ended up picking. Actually, that that reminds me of uh, another thing about the genesis of the story, and it kind of highlights their attitude towards storytelling. Mm -hmm. But what I remember them discussing when they were trying to think of, a, a, they, like they came up with the premise of it's going to be the death of Superman, right? And Mike Carlin had written on a whiteboard, Doomsday for Superman. You know, like that was like the name of the idea that they had come up with or the story. And they had the artists, uh, well, first they decided that Superman had been spending a lot of time recently in, in the years leading up to this fighting villains 
who weren't really physical threats to him. He had been fighting a lot of characters that were more... Uh, In the vein of like a Lex Luthor, like a cerebral character? Yeah, cerebral threats and characters like, I don't know, Toy Man or somebody like that. Yeah. So it wasn't people that, that could uh, kill him physically. There was no sense of threat or imminent danger. <laughs> yeah, or at least not imminent personal death for Superman. Yeah. So they're thinking, the editorial teams are, and the, the writing, creative teams thinking was that they would have a character that would physically kill Superman in a fist fight because yeah. what would be more shocking than that? And he's not going to use kryptonite. He's just going to beat him straight up in a fair fight. So they had the artist come up with different designs on the spot. Yeah. And Dan Jurgens designed Doomsday. They ended up picking that design and, and they ended up calling him Doomsday because Mike Carlin had written on the whiteboard or chalkboard Doomsday for Superman. So it's, it, a it's pretty simplistic uh, con- convergence of events. Yeah, yeah. For exactly. a very simplistic character. Yeah. Yeah. And with, uh, with Doomsday, you can you can even see the image influence in his design because he's a lot more he's overly busy with all the different bone protrusions. Like that's I not think he has a ponytail too. <laughs> he has the yeah, he has the long white hair. He's not the design of a traditional kind of DC character. He definitely looks like a 90s character. Mm-hmm. He's just got a lot of things going on. Yeah. And the way that that he's drawn in in the story, he's super buff, you know, just this this raging Hulk-like creature. Yeah. So well, yeah. yeah, what were you about to say? Well, I wanted to add a little bit to your anecdote which was I and this was something I read a long time ago, so you know I, I might not even be remembering it correctly, but I remember I want to say that for the longest time, uh, a lot of people would for for the longest time at Marvel, uh, one of the things was that Hulk was probably the strongest character at Marvel. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know it was one of those uh, it was one of those, like childish things that people do where they ask themselves who's stronger Superman or the Hulk, right? Who would win in a fight? And, you know, from the kernels of a question like that, I want to say that I think I remember reading that Dan Jurgens just wanted to do, to be able to do his story where he would finally get to do, you know, for all intents and purposes, a Superman versus the Hulk story (laughs) where he would, I don't know if his intention was to settle that question, but, you know, uh, he certainly wanted to do that type of a story, you know, where Superman would fight this Hulk-like creature. Yeah. 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 And speaking more about the, the craftsmanship of the story, the fact that they threw Doomsday into this as Superman's killer with absolutely no buildup was super lame. Like that's yeah. There is no reason to be interested or to care at, at all about Doomsday. He he shows up at the end. He literally of, just comes out of the ground. Yeah, like he shows up at the end of a, a comic where you just it starts off with him punching punching the wall, and then you see that for a couple of issues, and then eventually he finally pops out and begins his rampage, walking across the country 
leaving a trail of destruction in his wake. Yeah. This the heroes, you know, start falling uh before him and only Superman can can have a chance. Mm. It's I don't know, I, there's just something it's lazy. Really, <laughs> it's it's very basic. It's very uninspiring. It yeah. It's lazy storytelling, man. Like you just yeah. introduce this character with no context there's no build-up or sense of drama it's it's just a mindless bestial creature you know causing a bunch of mayhem yeah and this is the thing that ends up killing superman it's just reading it in and of itself it's not it's not a satisfying story at all yeah like even at the very end when when they're both dead you don't feel like you got any sense of understanding as to what was going on with doomsday or anything like the it makes superman's death feel kind of random kind of hollow because some nobody that came from who knows where ended up killing him yeah yeah and i was going to say like could you imagine how again like I, I i i'm not necessarily privy to what was going on behind the scenes but i i i like you got the same sense that this was something that didn't have any build-up it was just a monster that they created in in you know a very brief period of time it, it almost feels like in during their summit they went okay how are we going to kill him? Let's just have a monster. Uh, how are we going to introduce the monster? Uh, he's just going to appear. You know, he's going to come out of the ground. Like, could you imagine for them to make a comic that sells six million copies and to get away with something that simple? Like, how much that would encourage them to just continue to do stuff like yeah. that? <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> bad. Yeah. So and, bad. And while we're on the subject of, you know, this being the death of superman as a selling point and for for his the 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 thing to be the uh, uh the cause of his death to be just basically that superman gets beat to the, to death or that he just tires himself out and mm-hmm. succumbs to the beating you know mm-hmm. it yeah like you know, I I get it. I, I've seen Rocky. There's something about that that's uh, uh <laughs> that that's inspirational. Inspirational. That's entertaining. That draws your attention, right? But mm-hmm. I I wanted to mention that Marvel a few years prior. Oh, like I don't know exactly remember when, but Marvel actually had a death of a character. Uh well before this and i would say that by comparison it's it's a substantially different story and even though it's older i I would say it's it's a more interesting story and what i'm referring to is the death of captain marvel Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. was i believe it was jim starlin yeah that was jim starlin yeah and that story is about how captain marvel on one of his adventures ends up exposing himself to these chemicals that give him cancer and the whole story is about him dealing with 
having cancer and coming to grips with the the fact that all the powers of the Marvel universe can't save him and he's going to have to die in this yeah. bed. And that's an emotionally more interesting story. You know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Death of and, Superman, I oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You uh, I was gonna say I think Death of Superman tries to go for the emotions, but it just flops so badly it's um, yeah. it's embarrassing is what it is yeah. like i i'm looking at the last couple pages of superman 75 where every page of this issue where superman dies is a splash page and it's hard to try and tell a real story if you're just using all splash pages un- unless the splash pages are conducive to telling a story but this this story is one massive fight mm-hmm. followed by you know the aftermath of what happens at the end of that fight and i think to have everything be a splash page is a, it's a weird gimmick i mean i think i understand why they wanted to do that because they wanted the fight to be uh impactful but like First of all, Dan Jurgen's compositions are pretty uninspiring. Like he doesn't draw good splash pages for fights and his fight scenes aren't very exciting to begin with. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he adds all these extra words into the splash pages, it definitely slows down the reading of the page and lessens the impact. Like there's a page here like the climax of the fight between superman and doomsday has both of them they at this point they're both really tired or they've both been hurt they're like boxers they're just they've uh expended all of their energies with mm -hmm, each other mm -hmm. and then there's a page where superman puts his hands together because he's about to do like a hammer punch on doomsday and you can see him winding up and then doomsday is charging at him and about to throw a punch too. And in this page, Superman has a couple of thought balloons. And what he says is, this is it. Looks like we're both betting everything we've got on this one. For Lois and Jimmy, for this entire city, I've got to put this guy away while I still can. (laughs) So melodramatic. Can you imagine him actually (laughs) thinking that when he's fighting for his life? Like, are those the conscious, literal thoughts going through Superman's mind when he's just about to throw a punch at somebody? Like, how do you have so much time to think all that before you hit somebody? Yeah. And then when they finally, the next page, when they finally make contact with each other, there are just so many words here. Like, it feels like Dan Jurgens thinks he's a poet or something. You know, he's like writing all this stuff. Thinking like he's Alan Moore about to about to explain the intricacies of of what it means to to hit somebody to death. You know, it's like I mean the funny thing is this might be in his mind the greatest thing he's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And I hope not. Like he wrote it with the gravitas of someone writing it thinking it was the greatest thing that they ever did. And yeah, there's definitely way too much gravitas attached yeah. to splash pages. And, and in retrospect, all these years later, 
in in light of what his career has ended up becoming, I think it might be fair to say that he probably thinks that this is the greatest thing that he ever did. Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if we were to do an do a reading of these last few pages, it, it would be pretty comical, but I'll I'll spare all our listeners that. I think Yeah. I think just looking up those pages, uh you know, you can borrow them from your library or go to Heck, your we'll probably digital post library. something up on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just the worst kind of purple prose, you know? Yeah. Like last week we were talking about Hellblazer and I think I mentioned how one of the hallmarks of Hellblazer was a lot of those writers, like for example, Jamie Delano, he he tended to be a little bit wordy in his comics, but he was wordy in a way where his prose added value to what you were reading because he actually brought a lot of depth and nuance and even poetry to the pages, man. Like they complimented the artwork and made you made you feel things or consider things. Like there was there was something about his style of writing in Hellblazer that made it okay to have a lot of words on the page. But with something like Dan Jurgens, like read any of his comics, he's never had a good ear for dialogue. It's this is him at his worst excesses and his worst excesses where he's just trying to do that kind of purple prose, thinking that he's somebody as talented as Alan Moore or, or uh, you know, whoever, whoever uh, you want to think of that that is good at writing a lot of prose. Yeah, it's it's just over overblown, overwrought. Mm. It it falls flat, man. It it doesn't. I think maybe if you're a kid, it'd be okay. Maybe if you're a kid, it'd be dramatic. But reading it today, it definitely does not hold up. It, it's something that I laugh at, you know? Yeah. It, you hit it right on the mark earlier when you said that it's embarrassing. <laughs> you know? Have you ever ran into that one guy who, who thought that he was the smartest, most eloquent dude in the room, but really he was just kind of full of crap? Yeah. <laughs> it's that guy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on paper yeah you know um yeah yeah uh I'm trying to think about other elements of the craft uh but yeah i, I think we, we we hit it um did you have anything else um man it, it's it's hard to stop once we get started isn't it it's, it's yeah like, this the artwork man like there's nothing there's nothing about it that stands out and i, I guess i just can't emphasize that enough especially dan jurgen's climactic issue their final fight like i don't understand why he chose some of the different perspectives he chose for these splash pages like there isn't a lot of these splash pages look like they could simply be normal panels like they, he could have taken four of these pages and put all four of them into one page, you know, and you wouldn't have really felt a significant loss of impact 
of in the storytelling, it would have been the same. I think back to something that we read fairly recently when we were doing our Invincible read-through and Invincible number 100. Yeah. That was all splash pages. But yeah. that one that one was heavy, man. Like that one told a story with the splash pages. It didn't have a whole bunch of extraneous words covering up the art. The compositions were were just gorgeous and he yeah. and like the, all the action that was rendered was it was depicted in a way that that actually felt heavy hitting you know like it yeah. was like ryan otley drew the moments that made you feel the the most impact of that particular action whereas yeah. a lot of the panels in superman 75 they could have just been any single random panel instead of a full page you know like they're yeah. There's only a handful of pages, I would say, that approximate a good splash page in this issue. Like, what what were your thoughts on his use of splash pages in Superman 75? Um, I think like you, I, I kind of understood what he was going for, which was, and I'm going to make this comparison again, uh, because it's it's probably the the easiest way for me to communicate it which is he he wanted to do a comic that was a brawl right and mm-hmm. he wanted to and the point of that very last issue being where every every scene was just a uh, a splash page that took up you know there were no panels everything was just one uh, one one page in and of itself right mm-hmm. the the point is to put the weight and the gravity and severity of the situation uh, so that you can so it can be like rocky right where where it's just uh every page is just one sequence of the battle but but i don't think he knows how to do that effectively you know yeah because his layouts are just weird and and you know when you mentioned uh issue 100 of invincible that's that's the perfect example of doing that right because it's being economical with your art right mm-hmm. and understanding that well if i only have one page uh for each uh issue or, or if this for issue for each beat yeah for each beat right then each page has to it has be to be used special for maximum effect right yeah and, yeah and maximum effect exactly yeah and you can tell that there are just times in here where I don't think he knows what to do with 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 all the different things that are going on. I don't think he necessarily knows where to put people. You know, uh, we were talking about this one scene where uh, Superman's flying towards the reader as he charges off into battle, into the final uh, battle with uh, Doomsday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's Superman flying towards uh, the, the reader while Jimmy is uh, Jimmy Olsen is in one corner and you get Lois Lane in full profile in the other corner and she's just kind of weeping to herself as Superman goes off to She's not just weeping to herself, Albert. She's talking so that we can hear her emotions. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's just it's it really feels more like a collage than it does a a part of a story, you know? It's just like, well, I'm going to make a checklist of the things that I need to have in this specific scene so that we know what's what. Right. Yeah. So people need to know that Lois is sad. So I'm going to put her in this one corner, like, like 
disproportionate to to Superman in a really weird way. Yeah, the perspective is all weird on this page. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't, like, I get the idea of what he's trying to do. Um, You know, if this had been a fight scene where, you know, each page was a splash page, uh, there was a better way for him to do it. And what we saw in issue 75 of, uh, what was that, Action Comics? Superman. uh, Yeah, issue 75 of Superman. It was just not the way to do it. I, I, yeah, he was not the guy for it. And that was not the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Yeah. Actually, uh, one of the while you were talking, for some reason, this just crossed my mind. But, and it's it's not related to 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 uh, anything we were just talking about. But I, I I just wanted to point out another inconsistency in the story. But there's earlier in one of the other issues there was it was the Justice League fighting Doomsday. Because he had just began, he had just begun his rampage, and Superman was doing a an interview, so he was he was busy at that moment and didn't know that Doomsday was walking across America, terrorizing everything in his path. So the J- JLA uh, try and stop him, and at one point Doomsday punches Blue Beetle. Oh yeah, and it just knocks him out. <laughs> yeah, like. His head should have exploded. Yeah. <laughs> that that was weird to me, man. Like he he punched Blue Beetle, who has absolutely no superpowers. All he has is a costume, his wits, and some gadgets and money. So him getting punched by Doomsday, yeah. that didn't kill him. He's 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 a a character that's on on a Batman tier, except nowhere near as menacing and probably not quite as effective. Yeah. Yeah. But imagine if, you know, if Batman got punched by someone who, who can trade punches with Superman. Yeah. I mean, Doomsday was punching Superman into the atmosphere. So it's hard to believe that he could punch Blue Beetle and Blue Beetle would still be intact. Yeah, same thing with Guy Gardner. When uh, when Doomsday is beaten up, walloping on Guy Gardner, there's a point where, and this was a really weird shot for me. It, even as a kid, I thought it was a weird shot. But he he's you know, uh, Guy Gardner is trying to trying to fight him, and he's just beating the crap out of uh, Guy Gardner. He's stomping on him, whatever. And then he, you know, Guy Gardner's on the ground, and he like punches him in the midriff. I was like, that's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty weird, you know, it, it's like visually, it's really uh, weird to look at. Like, I, I get it. You punch whatever, wherever you're going to punch, but like, it's just, you know, yeah, I don't know what it is about that entire scene that just looks funny to me. You, know? <laughs> you got to post that one up on the Instagram. Yeah. So we can and, all laugh and, at it. And, and maybe the thing about it is, I guess, Okay, so if Guy Gardner's ring is down at this point and he 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 doesn't have his shield up, and you can tell when he has his shield up, there's an aura around him, right? Right. So for him to get punched in 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 the in the hip in the midriff or whatever, he would explode like a sack of meat. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so to have nothing happen, like I found it hard to, yeah, I found it hard to believe. I really did. 
Yeah, it's it's another really big inconsistency in in this story. Yeah. It's weird because they spent so much time talking with each other. The creative team spent so much time talking with each other, trying to work out the details. How could they not discuss how strong Doomsday was and like what he could do to normal people? Well, if I had to guess, it's that it's it's that issue of uh, of convenience, right? So like when we need him to be that strong, he's that strong. When we don't need him to be that strong, because you know we don't want him just you know, decimating the Justice League, then yeah, yeah, okay, he's not that strong in that. Yeah, that's sense. that's what makes it lazy writing because it's all yeah. about what's convenient for the storyteller, yeah, not what's logical for the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I was gonna mention, and this is just a, mm-hmm. a weird, weird thing, but uh, oh wait, I'm looking at the scene. My my mistake. I I don't think it's uh. Uh, Guy Gardner that he does it to it's he does it to ice I think oh yeah 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 he doesn't have any super durability either yeah hey yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the scene right now and it's just um you know Doomsday is just wreaking havoc with all of the uh uh Justice League members and then you see the scene where it's just in his monocle you you see her reflection and then. You just see him punch her in the hip. <laughs> Super weird. And yet, later on in the story, she's running around, you know, yeah. like she's she's like one of the only members of the league who isn't completely incapacitated. Yeah, she should have been crippled by that. Yeah, or just reduced into paste or something. Yeah. Her her internal organs should have been vaporized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm also looking at this one scene, and this is it's another like. It's another weird scene. It's the the fight that Doomsday has with Booster Gold, and yeah. you know I'm uh, fight's generous because he's basically just you know pounding on on Booster Gold, and at one point he picks Booster Gold up, and there's a there's a wrecked car there, and he puts Booster Gold's head between the the car doors, and he slams <laughs> the door on it. <laughs> you remember that scene? Yeah, like. So How is he not dead? <laughs> Seriously, man. Yeah. Yeah, that that's some really lazy writing, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm flipping through it again, and I'm looking at uh, Superman 75. There's this one splash page. Uh, the one right after the one you were t- just talking about, where Superman is on the page with Lois and Jimmy in in the corners. So, like, the page right after that is Superman flying into and punching uh, Doomsday. But the way that Dan Jurgens draws it, it's so weird. Like, the perspective and the angle is so awkward. It it looks like Superman is tumbling into Doomsday's crotch. <laughs> like, it looks like his head is about to land on Doomsday's crotch. Like, if you look at that page, it it's just so weird man like i it's it's another page that makes you question why dan jurgens was chosen to to draw this specific issue yeah i don't i got no idea man yeah for such no. an action oriented issue it it's just it it lacks so much impact and it's 
it feels like the only thing Dan Jurgens can really do in most situations is is just add speed lines to the background. Yeah. I will say I'm looking at the page right now where he's it basically looks like Superman is trying to ram Doomsday's crotch with his head. Yeah. <laughs> and then but, a few pages later, there's a scene where um where Superman uh at at some point during the fight Superman gets knocked through the ground so he's underground and then Jimmy and Lois are looking at at uh Doomsday and it's it's such a weird shot because the very top of the page is Doomsday's butt and in between his legs we see Jimmy and Lois. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that's another thing that's weird about this final battle is okay, so, so Doomsday is beating the crap out of Superman at this point and you know, people are rightly fleeing for their lives and this one scene Lois and uh, Jimmy Olsen are there, and they're just like, I don't care. I, you know, we have to do whatever we can to help Superman. And it's like, really? Lois and Jimmy? <laughs> it it says like, right here. She's like, I'll distract him while you run. <laughs> she, it's, here's, the, here's the page. Stay back, Miss Lane. We don't need to get that close to get a decent picture. And they're like just a couple of feet away from this guy. <laughs> and she's literally just going... We can't worry about pictures. Superman is in trouble. And I intend to help him. How exactly do you intend to do that? And then the very next page, she's like, move while you can, Jimmy. I'll distract him while you run. Uh, yeah. And then but... if you flip to the page after that, it's a picture. Lois, all of a sudden, she's on the floor. Yeah. The floor, and then it looks like Superman is punching Doomsday's butt. <laughs> <laughs> it's his weak spot. <laughs> it's such a weird decision, man. Like his Dan Jurgens storytelling skills hey, are so wait, sloppy. Check this out. Check this out. And the page after the that he punches him in the butt. This is a really weird one. Okay. So Superman's using his heat vision and he's blasting Doomsday into a wall, right? <laughs> yeah. And like they're they're speaking while this is all happening, and Lois is just right there, like just like two feet away from this all happening. <laughs> And, you know, this is a scene where these two titans are, are which have the ability to, like, smash buildings, uh, are, are fighting it out. And she makes the decision to, like, talk to Superman right there in that page. And it's <laughs> well, just she like, loves what? him, dude. <laughs> it's like, he wants destruction and death. To stop him, I have to be every bit as ferocious and unrelenting as he is. And... She's stand, just standing right there going, but you can't. He wants to kill you, and you can't. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> why Why are you distracting him? <laughs> it's such bad dialogue. But you know what would make it better, Albert? <laughs> you know what would make that dialogue better? No. <laughs> no. If you read I it refuse. out loud in your 1920s at Chicago gangster voice. <laughs> I refuse. I'm not going to give it that. <laughs> Like, just in this scene, you would think that as Superman's blasting uh, Doomsday, Doomsday, you would think that if he just flailed in the wrong direction, he would kill her in an instant. <laughs> yeah. Because she is literally that close. All yeah. he has to do is just, you know, flip his his wrist. Or and, kick his foot out. <laughs> yeah, and she'd totally be gone. Yeah. And for her to be, like, that close, like... 
you know, it's been a long time since I've been in anything even remotely close to a fight. But when there's like someone that close, like generally speaking, if I'm concerned about their well-being, I don't want them to be within arm's reach yeah. of me while I'm in the middle of fighting somebody else. That's not right? the time to have a philosophical debate about the sanctity of a life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. So bad. <laughs> Dude, now, now you got me on a roll because I, I just looked at the next page after that and it's Doomsday using his his uh, the bone, the sharp bone on his knee to to cut Superman. Yeah. And he hits Superman with so much force and you see some stuff fly out of Superman's chin and Superman still says, bony protrusions, so <laughs> sharp. He cut me. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Like he, Dan Jurgens could have just deleted that entire word balloon, and this panel, this page would have been better. Yeah, well, I, so much of this uh, uh, final issue could have been done without word balloons. Like, yeah, it just, it just wasn't necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just, I'm still befuddled at the idea of Doomsday. I'm looking at him here, and I'm just like. How is this generic-looking character able to capture the imaginations of like people? You know, <laughs> even to this day, like I feel like fans like him. I can't. He he's kind of in the mold of a Venom or a Sabretooth or something like that at this point. Where I feel like there are people who like the idea of him, mm-hmm. but. Well, you know what? I'm speaking for myself. Like, I, I can't come up with any good story for him, but there are some people who might say that this story is the thing that put him on the map and that makes him a worthwhile character worth investing him in, in all these years later. And I just don't see it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel like, like all these years later, it's been about... 30 almost 30 years since he was created and, and they I, still keep trying to make him work yeah I, I still can't think of a good doomsday story yeah. like maybe the only times i've been able to, to appreciate or tolerate doomsday are those stories where he just kind of shows up for a page and and gets his gets beaten up and put in a prison or something before they move on to the main story you know like he's yeah. There's just something boring about him. Like they keep yeah. trying to add to his mythos. They gave him a Kryptonian origin. They tried to make him this character that learns from his mistakes. So he's even more deadly. He's even deadlier and yeah. more unkillable the next time you face him. And it, it's just, it just tiresome. Like, yeah, I was gonna say like doing stuff like that just feels it's it's almost like. If you've ever listened to a kid tell you a story, yeah, they try really try their best to uh, like con- uh, constantly up the stakes or up the ante as as if raising like just adding more things to this character is going to be the thing that makes me interested in him. You know, like it it'd be on par with yeah, like a kid telling you a story, uh, like coming up with their own character and then just continuously adding powers to this character 
as if the more powers this character has is supposed to make him more powerful and more interesting, right? Yeah. So it's like he can fly and he can turn invisible and he's super strong and he's super fast, you know, <laughs> and it's just no, you're 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 missing the point entirely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty childish con- Doomsday is a pretty childish concept. Yeah. And like I said, at, at this point he's he's probably like if I had to guess his appeal is is similar to that of something like a Venom at this point, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or a Carnage. Yeah. But at the very least at, at the very least we've seen a handful of people do decent stories with the Venom concept. Yeah. Yeah. That's more than I can say for Doomsday. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Oh, what do wow. you think about the originality of the death of Superman? I mean, that's the thing. There's nothing original about it. <laughs> like uh, again, we I I mentioned earlier that if it wasn't for the impact of this story, if this wasn't a story that impacted the kinds of stories that we got moving forward as well as the industry outside of you know whatever was going on inside uh the actual story of comics if it wasn't for that impact this would be easily just a forgettable story something that i wouldn't care about you know but the reason that i notice it is because the hype machine forced us to pay attention to it (laughs) Yeah, you know, because yeah. all the people that bought it and affected how the comics uh industry would perform moving forward, if it wasn't for that, then I wouldn't have had, had any reason to care about this at all. Yeah, you know. That's true, man. Yeah, they just wanted to do a a, a story where a character dies and they just wanted it to be this really flashy slugfest and and that about sums it up you know and Mm -hmm. and i mentioned earlier like the death of captain marvel isn't something i think in the annals of comics it's something that comics readers especially of a certain period recognize as something that was a momentous event but but in terms of quality, in terms of subject matter, it does it in a substantially better way. <laughs> yeah, totally, you know? man. Yeah. So like, the death of the character. A, there have been other death stories that were done way better than this. Yeah. Before and after. So. Yeah. It's yeah. So the, there's nothing inherently original of the uh, about the death of a character. Heck, if you even go outside of comics, um, I think. I want to say, and you might, you know, help me uh, uh, clarify this if I'm wrong, but I think uh, Sherlock Holmes at one point dies, and yeah, you know, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wanted to kill the, his creation, and from what I remember, there was like such an outcry, and that at some point he ends up bringing uh, Sherlock Holmes back to life. Yeah, the fans didn't want Sherlock Holmes to die. Yeah. See, so it's not a new idea to kill a character and then find a way to bring him back when, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, financially feasible. Yeah. In fact, I would go so far as to say killing the character is 
very unoriginal. It's it's a publicity stunt more than it is a story idea, especially in this case. Yeah, like it's I think obviously a, a stunt in this case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think there is a way to tell a story about a character's death that makes it a valid story. Like your example of the death of Captain Marvel is a great example of that. But clearly, with the death of Superman, they had no more ideas to tell good stories. So all they could think of to do was to kill the main character, even though it was obvious that he would be back at some point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's very it's a very poor idea. Yeah. I I suppose if I had to say if I had to in a meta way say that was there anything good that was achieved by this, it might be that after it you know years down the road it sort of it 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 reminded us uh at one point eventually that what what the good things about superman were (laughs) before all this garbage (laughs) you know so we ended up getting stories about what was pure and good at the core of superman you know Mm -hmm. as as a response like most things don't happen in a vacuum and when something happens there's a response and eventually you know we do get other things and and maybe it's not a direct response to something like this but you know uh after a an entire long period where you have a bunch of these just shock value stories at some point we go back to just basics Mm -hmm. you know yeah exactly speaking of like deaths of superman like i this isn't we mentioned this that this isn't even the first death of superman um Eventually, Grant Morrison would do All Star Superman, and he he kills Superman, or he's okay. I don't know if he technically kills Superman, but it's a story about Superman dying. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that is a significantly better story. Oh yeah, this, immeasurably the better. Yeah, you know. So, uh, yeah. The other thing I was gonna say about what the death of Superman has to say is that there isn't even any real notable subtext or there aren't any and there aren't any themes or or ideas that are explored in any meaningful way in this story like this story is purely all surface it's all just fight which you know i understand like it's meant to be a simple story it's it's the death of superman but I feel like they don't even give lip service to trying to say anything about Superman or the concept of Superman, you know? It feels like the only theme or the nugget of a theme that they had was, isn't it sad that Superman died? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is is the ultimate meathead comic. Yeah. You don't have to think about anything else besides what's directly in front of you. Yeah. And, you know, we... we, uh... I, I I certainly spend my fair share of time crapping on Zack Snyder, but it it makes it almost makes sense that this would be the source material for <laughs> a movie that he made about Superman. Yeah, right. True that. It, it gives him the uh, freedom to do uh, 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 just spectacle while he injects flourishes of emotionality to it. <laughs> and, emotionality and not real emotion 
Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's unimpressive, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. One final question, Albert. What you got? Does the death of Superman withstand the test of time? I guess there's a way to say that since its original since the original sin of it was that it was bad <laughs> that there is no changing that <laughs> it was it it didn't even withstand the test of time at the time of its inception <laughs> so it never withstood the test of time it was never timely it was never relevant it was it was stillborn yeah yeah well i guess in terms of a meta uh, a way to look at it. it, I guess it is a product of its time in the sense that it is one of the prime examples of one of the comics that uh, affected... 90s excess? Yeah, exactly. That It's a prime example of that 90s excess and just the kind of comics that would ultimately bring ruin to the comics industry. Mm-hmm. So Really shallow, uh, vapid stuff. Yeah. Around violence and death. Yeah, it's not really... I wouldn't say that anything in the reading of it necessarily signifies it as as timeless, but um, the the contextual uh, existence of it is what mm-hmm. what what serves as as a as as its historical significance, I guess. Yeah. 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 What about you? Any thoughts on is this a timeless classic, Drew? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you even ask that? <laughs> I, I I wanted to to see what you would say. I, I if you had a, a specific words with which to denigrate it, I wanted to hear them. <laughs> I wanted to give you the opportunity to uh, either trick me or impress me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a hopeless battle because we all know that it's impossible to impress you. Nothing I do or say <laughs> can ever win your approval. So I don't even bother trying, man. Okay, okay, that's a that's a good reading of me. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you have you have way more depth than the death of Superman. <laughs> That's not saying very much. That's not saying anything, <laughs> quite honestly. I spit at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that about wraps up this episode. I think it was still a fun exercise to discuss this comic, even though it's pretty worthless. Well, we had a lot to say about it, and uh, I, I thought that was a pretty impressive analytical takedown of it. Yeah, I mean, we did our best to to look for something of value in the comic. And uh, yeah, like the best I can say about it is it has words and pictures. So yeah, could I, could I inject one quick final yeah. question? So yeah. while we're on the subject of uh, the death of superheroes, uh, then I guess it, it, it's, it warrants asking, like, what are some comics that you would recommend where you know that focus around the death of a character but that are done 
better than this? What are some that you would recommend? Okay. The first one that comes to my mind is The Death of Captain America from Ed Brubaker's Captain America. Mm -hmm. That was something that we discussed when we were doing our Marvel Top 25 and Captain America by Brubaker was on it. So there's a a big storyline where Captain America, Steve Rogers is assassinated, killed, and the story becomes, the series becomes a story about all the people who love him and what they end up doing in the aftermath. So it, it becomes a story focusing on Bucky and Captain America's, the legacy of Captain America and uh, Black Widow's in it. Sam Wilson, the Falcon is in it. Sharon Carter is in it. It, it. it becomes an exploration of the idea of Captain America and what he stands for, what what this concept means. And I think that is done in a way better way than most comic book superhero deaths. Mm-hmm. Like even with that one, that was Cap's death was it was a result of an event, civil war. Yeah. Like it, it, it's and it's not really a story where Steve Rogers goes out for one final battle against the Red Skull or whatever, mm-hmm. and dies in a in a blaze of glory while he while he saves his friends or does something unimaginably heroic it's, it's a, a story where yeah it's a, it's a tragedy it's, it's a story where it starts off with captain america steve rogers has already lost the civil war and he's been he's a arrested. enemy of the state he's a prisoner he's a, yeah he's arrested and while they're transferring to a, another prison an assassin shoots him which ends up killing him I mean, obviously, there's more to it than that. It, he because he gets better later on. Yeah. But yeah. even his resurrection, you know, it, he took some that, ivermectin and he he was fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all it takes, man. Yeah. Take some uh, horse dewormer and uh, and he's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> the other superhero death story that I for some reason it was one I immediately thought of when you ask the question, but it's from Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four when he kills Johnny Storm. Yeah. There's a story there where Johnny, well, the the Fantastic Four ends up in some battle in the negative zone and Johnny gets overwhelmed by Annihilus's forces and ends up, the, the rest of the team is able to escape the zone and but he he gets overrun, and you don't technically see what happens to him. You don't see his body at the end. I don't think, um, or you. It's not like they show you with his, with the all the little bugs eating him up or anything like that. You know. Yeah. But it you know it's it's just the story of the death of the Human Torch, mm-hmm. and he actually doesn't appear for quite a few for quite a few issues. I don't remember exactly how many, but that was why Hickman turned fantastic four into ff the future foundation so it was it was the other three members and um you know they they got new costumes and they got other members joining the team and it wasn't until like later on when when johnny comes back and you just see uh the significance of what he means to to the team like and not only that but even like the immediate issues after his death they spent a good amount of time uh you know, 
grieving and mourning and it, you could see that it truly changes the characters and, and and i think that's one of the things that makes that a great story mm. and I, I know that we were talking about the death of superman we didn't really talk about the the funeral arc or the reign of the superman so i guess one could make the argument that even in the superman stories they they tried to to do some stuff there to show you how other people in their world reacted to it. But if, even if we were just looking at the death part, I would still say that Johnny Storm went out way more as a hero. He went out more heroically than Superman did. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much the bottom line there. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I about totally you, man? Agree. Do you have any death stories that stand out? Um. Yeah, I mentioned the ca- death of Captain Marvel, and I feel like that's something that um, is 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 worth a read. It's uh, I feel like we talked about it quite a bit where uh, during this episode, so you know, it, I I kind of give away all of the mm-hmm. main points of it, but I, I I still think it's a better uh, story that covers the idea of the death of a of a big hero, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you're, uh, yeah, the other one that automatically jumped out at me was something like, um, yeah, the, uh, what's it called? Uh, you mentioned the death of Captain America. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty good, uh, example of that. Um, I can't think of any other good ones at the moment. Uh, well, no, uh, there was okay. The they did that one story, the the death of Thor by Michael Avon Oming. Mm, Ragnarok. Ragnarok, yeah, and that was the death of Thor for a pretty substantial period of time. Yeah, quite a few years. Yeah, and I wouldn't say that it was something that was necessarily thought-provoking or uh you know deep but i do think it was a good adventure story that covered you know th- you know if you're just gonna do a a, a slugfest beat em up sort of story like that was a, a substantially better way to do it than death of superman yeah you know absolutely like, it didn't necessarily have anything to say about the idea of thor or whatever but it just told a really grand epic story that culminated with the death of Thor and all the Asgardians. Yeah, you know? I think it it maybe it didn't have something super specific and unique to say about Thor, but I I did enjoy what it had to say about the cycle of the Asgardian mythology of the Norse mythology. Like yeah. there was something interesting about the way uh, Michael Avon Oming presented that mythology in a Marvel Universe context. Yeah. There was a definitely um, a poetry to it or a grandiosity to it that made yeah. it feel it made it feel like this really was the final Thor story. You know, like if we yeah. if there had never been a, another Thor story after that, that would have been a good ending, essentially. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, in terms of other things, like so. Okay, this one might be a bit of a cheat because it's not really about the death of a character but because by this point the character's been dead mm-hmm. but i i think it's something like the return of barry allen where it's 
at this point in at this point in comics uh you know Barry Allen's already dead but it's really about the idea of Barry Allen and what he represents uh yeah you're talking about the the Mark Wade Greg LaRocque story yeah yeah exactly so you know it's I I probably go so far as to say that the actual death of Barry Allen in the comics wasn't something that I would say was good (laughs) crisis Uh, on infinite earth yeah I mean if you're a fan of that I guess but um does that mean crisis on infinite earth isn't gonna be in the dc top 25 albert well maybe i'm 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 uh playing a trick maybe there's <laughs> some some form of mental gymnastics that i can play where it actually does end up on our list <laughs> am i going left or am i going right guys <laughs> but but yeah like the, the actual death of barry allen wasn't something that i personally cared too much for but mm-hmm. Uh, this was something that was done after the fact, and I thought it uh, it it covered the subject of you know of a hero's legacy and of you know what it means to 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 live up to that legacy, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, there are there are actually quite a lot of good stories about heroes' deaths out there. Yeah. You know, we've only mentioned a few, but there there are quite a few out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there there are some other ones that are just as bad uh, as the death of Superman. Like the one that I was <laughs> thinking of when I was trying to come up with stuff was like, remember when they killed Mr. Fantastic? <laughs> oh, yeah. That was terrible. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure that was Tom DeFalco. Yeah, but that was just everybody in the Fantastic Four has died at one point or another. Yeah, (laughs) like I actually thought when they killed Ben Grimm, that was another really good story, another Mark Wade joint. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I forgot that that had happened. In that was a really good one. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's a mixed bag for sure. Yeah, Yeah, maybe maybe one of these days we could do an episode of talking about the best best death stories. Yeah, that yeah. could be a fun topic, man. We could we could commit ourselves like an entire episode to it. I'd be down for that, man. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, I think that's all I have to say on this the topic of the death of Superman. Yourself, Drew? I guess I'll just close by saying that it was a worthwhile exercise to discuss a comic that we don't actually like. One of the reasons why we decided to do this, I would say, is because after we did our Marvel Top 25 list, we ended up doing a couple addendum episodes. And in those episodes, we talked about our honorable mentions as well as comics that other people would have recognized, but we thought were bad. And those episodes were kind of like just we, we were all over the place, right? Like we talked a couple minutes about a whole bunch of things. Yeah. So it, it's it's kind of satisfying to spend an entire episode talking about hellblazer as our honorable mention and then death of superman as a dishonorable mention (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah yeah i I think i think that's more that's probably more interesting hopefully and perhaps we will have more honorable or dishonorable mentions before we truly begin the list Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. obviously if if anyone listening out there has any feedback or or preferences you know you can reach out to us on our 
on our Instagram or Twitter or email us at between the gutters podcast at gmail.com. Hit like and subscribe. Smash that like button. <laughs> Don't forget to leave us a review. Five stars only. <laughs> oh, man. You're a shill. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, that's just the worst thing yeah, ever. I don't, I don't. I don't really care if you leave a review or not. I just. I just want people to listen to us, man. Yeah. <laughs> Please listen to us. Just acknowledge that we exist. Interact with us on social media <laughs> so we know that someone's listening. Please. We don't want to do this for nothing. We just spent a couple hours of our lives reading and talking about a really bad comic, and what was it all for? If nobody's here to listen to us. Between the gutters, signing off. Peace out, y'all. Bye, guys. <laughs>